good morning again. Uh, it's uh, good to be back. Today we're going to be uh, finishing up Jonah. Sorry about the, uh, uh, the, the quick trip through Jonah. This is usually a, a four-week uh, series that we've crammed into three weeks this time, so um, we'll hopefully get through um, before two o'clock this afternoon, because uh, I know the kids get hungry. Um, let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would teach us again this morning. Thank you for a beautiful Lord's Day to worship you. We pray that you would be glorified this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just so that I don't act like a Presbyterian, every week we have four points today instead of three. So uh, we're going to look at, uh, in chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Jonah, uh, God's plan for Nineveh, God's plan for Jonah, God's plan for the world, and God's plan for us. So we'll be bouncing around the, the two chapters a bit, but uh, we'll uh, do our best to get through it. So first, we take a look at God's plan for Nineveh. Well, we talked a couple weeks ago about Nineveh. It was probably the most important city in uh, uh, the world that day, uh, during that time. We see in, uh, in chapter 4 at the very end that it had 120,000 people in it. That's probably 120,000 men, not including the women and children, because that's the way they uh, counted people. Uh, back then, un unfortunately, and it had lots of cows too, uh, which means it probably stunk a little bit. Um, I, I, I know what it's like to have a lot of cows during one of my running uh, uh, routes. We go past a farm with a cow in it, and even if the cow's not out, we know the cow's been there. Uh, so um, it was uh, probably a crowded place. Uh, lots of people living uh, in close proximity, lots of cattle. Probably not the cleanest or most sanitary place in the world, but it was a place of much commerce and uh, m much influence. It was probably the most influential city and the, the biggest uh, commercial city of the time. It was kind of like New York City, kind of the hub of, of, of the world in, in, in many ways. And uh, this was a place that God knew needed the gospel of salvation. God cares for our big cities. God cares for our central hubs. God sent Jonah to preach the word of God, the call to repentance to that city. It was very prosperous and it was very... Uh, wealthy, but it had its slums and it's had its poor areas too. And God sent his message of salvation to the whole entire city. It was also a very unpopular area, especially for Israelites, because much persecution of Israel came out of Nineveh. So it wasn't a very popular place to go, and we'll get to Jonah in a little bit because we obviously know he didn't want to be there. But besides being a, a powerful and influential city, it was a city known for cruelty and a city known for uh, torture 
of other lesser kingdoms. It wasn't a very popular place. And yet, it was a city that God recognized needed to hear the gospel. It was a city that God had compassion for, a city that God wanted to claim for his own. And so what happened? The gospel goes into Nineveh, and this wicked city that Jonah wanted nothing to do with, in fact, we see in chapter 4, Jonah gets mad because they actually repent and come to know uh, Jesus and have a relationship with God. Uh, you would think that Jonah would be excited about the mass conversions, but no, he got mad because um, he didn't care for the city, he didn't care for the people in it. Uh, he wasn't the only one. But yet, God cared for the city and God brought repentance. Now, if you think of the least likely place in the world today that people would become Christians, you can equate that to Nineveh during, during that time. And so we, we think today, uh, um, you know, where would, uh, where, where is the gospel really, really opposed? Maybe the places in the Middle East, places in, in, uh, in China, um, you know, Western Europe is a, is a very dead spiritual area, but, uh, but God wanted to bring revival to Nineveh, wanted the gospel preached, and people repented. People heard the gospel and turned to the Lord. Was it Jonah's great preaching that did that? Probably not. He didn't even want to go. And um, his appearance probably wasn't all that great anyway after spending three days and three nights in the whale hotel there. Um, but people heard the message because when God brings revival, it's not the great speakers that influence people. It's not the witty words that bring people. It's God's spirit that brings revival. And God's plan for Nineveh was salvation because he cares for the cities. He cares for the places where other people don't. He cares for the places that we view as the most ungodly, the most horrific, the places we'd least like to go. We had uh, my university group in college, we always used to say, you know, don't, don't complain about, don't say, God, I will never go here uh, because he'll send you. So I always used to say, God, never send me to Hawaii to do evangelism on the beach. <laughs> it, it didn't work. He didn't. Uh, but, uh, but yet, God cares for that type of place, and God cares for Nineveh, and God brought revival. Not only to the Ninevites, the people, but the king, even the top ruler, a man of much power, much influence, and much cruelty, and much torture, and much pretty shady history, repented and became a believer. You know, we all remember a few years ago the most hated man in the world as, as, as far as uh, the U.S. people uh, go is probably Osama bin Laden. 
Yet, if God would have chosen, God could have brought Osama bin Laden to know him because God is more powerful and more mighty than any leader, any earthly person. And God chose to bring this wicked, very corrupt leader to a saving faith in him because it was God's plan for Nineveh to repent and hear the gospel. And they did. And there was great revival in that town, in that city. And from the greatest to the smallest, it says, there was a call to repentance. And there was true repentance. Such repentance that God changed his mind. God relented. Now, does God change his mind? God knows all past, present, and future. So God knew that there would be repentance. And so he wouldn't have to destroy the city. So God doesn't change his mind as we change our mind and, and flip-flop. And God's sovereign plan who understands time, past, present, and future. Um, but so that we can understand it more clearly, the scriptures use the word relented or you know, changed and, and, uh, and decided to not destroy Nineveh in uh, 40 days like, he, uh, like Jonah had preached. Because God's plan for Nineveh was salvation and revival and his grace. And the city changed. Because God is a forgiving God. And God is a merciful God. God is a loving God. And God cares for big cities like Nineveh. Now, there's a caveat. Nineveh repented. Um, and the children and Nineveh repented. But the next generation after that went back to their old ways. And there's a companion book in the scriptures to Jonah. Any, anybody know what it is? It's the book of Nahum. Anybody ever read Nahum? It's one of the more obscure books of the, uh, of the Old Testament. But Nahum is um, the rest of the story. Nahum takes place about 150 years after and Nineveh had gone back to their old ways. And this time God did destroy them. And the book of Nahum is about the destruction that God brought upon Nineveh. Because they repented during the time of Jonah. And as far as we know, for a generation lasted, but then went back to their, their old ways. And the destruction that God promised, he brought about. Because God is a very patient God, and God is calling us to repentance, but God's patience is not infinite. And those who don't repent, those who don't turn to him, have judgment and, and destruction awaiting. And that's what happened to Nineveh 150 years down the road. And that's what the book of Nahum is about. So, if you ever want to read what happens uh, to Nineveh afterwards, it's, uh, it's a three-chapter book also, and uh, uh, very, very different book than, than Jonah. So we see God's plan for Nineveh, revival, salvation, repentance. God's plan for Jonah. God is a merciful God. He saved this big city that was in total rebellion to him. God is a merciful God. He gives us second chances. He gave Jonah a second chance. The word of the Lord appeared a second time to Jonah. That's what verse 1 of chapter 3 says. And this time Jonah obeyed the word of the law. 
uh, the word of the Lord at, at great expense. Okay, because the first time the word of the Lord came to Jonah, he had a clean set of clothes, he had all his luggage, uh, presumably he had money, and he was being sent from Israel to Nineveh. Now, he's at the bottom of a whale, uh, bottom of the ocean in, in a big fish, a whale maybe. Uh, his clothes are not, probably not clean uh, after being there for three days or three nights. His money is probably gone. His luggage certainly is gone because it got, it got all thrown overboard. And he's quite a bit further away. And we don't even know how he got to Nineveh. But we know that it was probably without the money that he had the first time and without the nice set of clothes he had for, and the traveling uh, luxuries that he had the first time. But this time he had to be totally dependent on God to get there. He had to totally rely on the Lord's mercies and the Lord's provision to get him to Nineveh. But nevertheless, he got there. Because God's plan for Jonah was a word we uh, call it sanctification. If you come to leadership class, you'll be hearing sanctification way too many times probably. But the process of growing more and more like Christ. God's purpose for Jonah was to help him to learn that God gospel was for all peoples because as we mentioned the first week Jonah was a racist Jonah did not like the people groups of Nineveh Jonah had racial issues with Nineveh he didn't like those people he had no problem preaching the gospel to the sailors on his boat going the other way because they weren't Ninevites but he did not like this town he did not like these people and he did not want to see them come to know the Lord so Jonah had an attitude adjustment coming. God had to teach them that all races and all people groups are part of the gospel kingdom, are part of the beautiful community. And God had to do a serious adjustment. He got Jonah's attention somewhat in getting him to go to Nineveh, and Jonah preached the message all right, and it must have been pretty clear because people repented. But Jonah's attitude wasn't quite there, was it? Because what did he do? He preached the gospel, and then he went out town to watch. He went, uh, you know, a little bit out of town to watch the fireworks. He was all ready to to watch the fire and brimstone rain down on uh, on the city, because of course, this people group isn't going to believe. They're not going to turn to the Lord. And yet, God fooled them, didn't he? God brought revival, and God brought repentance to Nineveh. And what was Jonah's response? Jonah got angry. That could be really surprising, uh, can it? You know, have you ever gotten angry because someone actually became a Christian? Because someone actually was, was blessed? Well, we do that too as, as, as people. But, and then God had to teach him a lesson with a gourd. Um, God um, grew this vine over his head. It sheltered him. And then the next day, a worm ate it, and Jonah was sitting out there baking in the hot sun, and he said he wanted to die. He was angry because of God's love toward a people group he didn't like. And what was God's response to Jonah? You got all mad about this little vine. You didn't plant it. You didn't water it. You didn't tend it. You didn't weed it. Uh, it was around one day, and you had nothing to do with it. It kept you cool 
and then it died and you got angry, but yet you have no compassion toward this huge city, this people group of 120,000 men plus women and children and much cattle. Well, we know the cattle can't be saved, but why, does Jesus, why did God say much cattle? Because it showed its significance and importance to the world. It was not only a, uh, it was not only a, a, uh, a large city that ruled, but it was a large commercial center too. And it was really the hub of that part of the world. And Jonah had compassion and care for this little vine, but no compassion and care for the largest group of, of people in, in the, the most powerful city during that time. And God had to show Jonah that his priorities were wrong. So what was God's plan for Jonah? God's plan for Jonah was giving him a second chance. And God's plan for Jonah was also his sanctification to teach him that God cares about all people groups and God cares about all nations and God wants all nations to hear the gospel. Jonah had to learn that there is no place for racism, there is no place for favoritism among people groups that all need to hear the gospel and wherever God sends you, you need to go. Jonah also needed to learn that he needed to his priorities needed to be focused on compassion for, for God's people. And that he needed to recognize that God cares, so he needs to. So, how do we translate the book of Jonah to our lives? Nineveh represented, as I mentioned, the most powerful city in the world. So what is God's plan for the world? God's plan for the world is that his people go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus to the whole entire world. Not only to the people we like or the people like us, but, but to everyone. And God's plan is that he will save who he will save and that there is nobody on this earth too powerful, too strong, or too mighty to escape the calling of God if God is calling them to repentance. And so God's plan for the world is repentance and a turning to him. But we have to remember Nahum also and what happens when you don't. God's plan, unfortunately, is also judgment and destruction for those who don't. We don't know when God is coming back. We know that he is, though. We don't know when we'll see Jesus again, but we know that we will see Jesus again. What we do know is that before he comes again, we have a responsibility to preach the gospel because God is in the business of saving nations and saving peoples and bringing us together as a, uh, a kingdom for him on earth. And so his plan for the world is that people go and people preach, that the world hear the gospel and the world repent and come to know him. And if they don't, his plan is destruction and judgment. So what's God's plan for us? God's plan for us is that we are his senders. We are his feet. 
Romans 10, um, 10 through 16, a great passage says, uh, uh, starts, those who uh, call upon the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved, but how can they call who they've never heard, and how can they hear unless people tell them, and how can people tell them unless they are sent? And how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. God's plan for us is that we are his salt and his light, his witness on earth. Now, we're not all going to be Jonah's. We're not all going to be sent to Nineveh. We're not all going to be sent to the most powerful city on earth to, to preach the gospel. But the Great Commission in Matthew, 18, uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. It's a command for all of us. God's plan for us is to be his witness, to be his ambassadors. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 calls us ambassadors for Christ. And as I said, it may not be to Nineveh, but it's where you are in your neighborhood or where your kids are in school or in your job or in the shopping center. God calls us to love and reach out to our neighbors that are different than us next door. I was so excited to hear when I think it was uh, uh, Jason talking about meeting his neighbors um, and, uh, and having them over for lunch today. That's exactly what God wants us to do when we move into new neighborhoods. God wants us to be his salt and light because the mission work we do to our next door neighbors is every bit as important as the mission work Jonah did in Nineveh. And our attitudes of, I don't want to meet my neighbors, they're different than me. They're a different political party. They're a different race. I don't feel comfortable. Their English is not good. They're really wealthy, and I'm not, and I don't want to be embarrassed. That is every bit as rebellious as Jonah getting on the ship and heading the other way when God says, go and preach to Nineveh. God is calling us to love and witness to our neighbors. And it's something that's easy because we can do it over um, an invite, a play date, um, a, a, a community, uh, um, organizing a community uh, yard sale together, um, a, a block party, inviting someone to go to the pool with you. Uh, I'd say going, uh, I hate to use this as, as an example, but going to an Orioles game, lots of chance to talk there because they're not much fun to watch. Uh, not, not this year anyway. Uh, but doing things, inviting your neighbors to, uh, uh, to get to know you, opening yourselves up. Same thing with work. Having lunch with someone you don't know. Having lunch with that new person. Stopping by somebody's desk to welcome them. Um, building relationships with people different than you. Um, if, you uh, if you work in the home, play dates with other parents, a great opportunity to, uh, to get to know your neighbors. We got to know more neighbors at the bus stop for the kids than about any other activity. Um, it might have been because our, our, our kids were causing enough disruptions that everybody got to know us, but uh, that's not always the truth. But, uh, but seriously, the, bu the, the bus stop, getting uh, uh, 
interacting with, uh, with other neighbors, a great opportunity. Uh, the neighborhood pool was also a great opportunity to, uh, um, to meet neighbors. Ministries like Elevate, which we mentioned before, where you get to meet families and, uh, and, and kids. Uh, another opportunity for us to um, build relationships in the, in the neighborhood. Elevate was great because uh, it really reflected uh, the, uh, the diversity of the neighborhood. And I spent many years coaching. It was a great opportunity because after the games, a lot of times we went to Lido's or Pizza Hut to eat pizza. And I got some great discussions with families that probably wouldn't be darkening their door or darkening our doors with their, their presence. But sitting there eating pizza together, talking about a great elevate win or, or not so great elevate loss, um, you're able to get involved in some conversations about why are you doing elevate, you know, what is this, um, what's its purpose, and uh, at least the questions about your church and gives you opportunities to, uh, to, to share the gospel. So what is God's plan for us? God's plan for us is to be his salt and his light and his witness where we are. Uh, there's nobody that's completely isolated from the people around us because we all live somewhere and even if uh, we work in the home, we work somewhere. And even working in the home, we have a chance to see our, our neighbors. You can't help us see your neighbors because if you live in Columbia, you have to go out to the community mailbox because you don't reach out your door and get one. You have to go out and, uh, and, uh, and uh, meet 15 other neighbors getting the mail at the same time. Uh, so there's always, uh, and interesting enough, Columbia was designed, those mailboxes were designed so that people would interact with their neighbors more. Even the, the founder of uh, Columbia, Jim Rouse, who wasn't a believer by any stretch of the imagination, recognized the importance of knowing your neighbor. And if he could recognize that, how much more uh, should we as believers recognize it? So God's plan for us is to, to love our neighbor, to reach out to them, to build relationships with them, and to be like Jonah, going to that great city and calling people into God's kingdom. So God has a plan for us. God also has a plan for us. He has a plan to grow us. Sometimes it's difficult. Jonah had to go through some heavy lessons. God had to teach him and mold him and shape him and uh, teach him some hard lessons. That's also God's plan for us. God does not want us to be stagnant in our faith. He wants us to learn. So we're going to go through trials and we're going to go through tribulations and we might be made fun of for being believers. And you might even be shunned for being a believer. But Jonah had to depend on God completely and totally as he went to Nineveh after he lost everything trying to run away from God. We likewise need to depend on God's grace, depend on God's love, and depend on God's mercy as we build those relationships in our neighborhood and our co-workers um, and our friends. And so just as Jonah went and God used him in a mighty way, God will use us in a mighty way as we go and reach out to Columbia and our surrounding areas. If we trust, if we obey, and if we pray for his working in our lives. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you for your call to us, your call to be salt and light, your promise of giving us second chances and third chances like you gave Jonah, and your promise to sanctify us and make us more like you. Lord, we thank you for this book that we spent a brief amount of time in and for all its applications for us today. And we commit the rest of our worship service to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.